Comics are old. Really old. Comics are so old that they think LOL stands for lots of love. Comics are so old that Britain has stolen a bunch of them from around the world and put them in a museum. And then you have to deal with the inordinate number of comics that have been made. If a croupier dealt as many cards as the number of comics that have been made, they'd wear away their fingertips. I think I've worn mine away from sorting through old comics. Wait, is this the origin of us doing crimes? Weird comic-themed crimes that we're easily distracted from by tangential jokes? At least then we don't actually do the crimes. I'm Robin Harmon. I'm Michael Garvey-Eckett. I'm Adam Sharif. I'm Amy Garvey-Eckett, and we are your getaway drivers at Comic Book Classroom. The podcast which condenses comic book history into a fun format to be the lights that guide you home and fix you in the droning Coldplay song that is comics. This time on Comic Book Classroom, we'll be studying Carol Danvers. Carol Danvers is one of Marvel Comics' most prominent and important female characters. She's travelled throughout time and space. And done that multiple times. And multiple spaces? Carol has been a member of almost every Marvel Comics team you can think of. She's had many aliases, Ms. Marvel, Binary, Warbird, Captain Marvel, and Princess Sparklefists. But before any of that, she was Carol Danvers, crack Air Force pilot. So this episode, we're heading on the highway to the Danvers Zone. Gonna get right. Come on, Adam. Now, play that improvised music that just happens magically. Uh, what? It's song parody time. Guitar, yeah. Other instruments that make sounds and... Beats and jams. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have them all here. That's not that's not how we do this. Julia isn't even here. You're missing a whole Sheridan. Uh, and do you have anything beyond the obvious? The Danvers sounding like danger? Is there more to this? Well, you know, Top Gun. Anyway, Carol's prominence means it's even more unfortunate that in order to explain her origins, we need to use... A man, for context. I hate it when people just use me for context. Don't I have feelings too? Read the room, Robin. In 1967, Marvel created a character called Captain Marvel in order to claim the title and prevent other publishers from using it. Much like when people make Instagram accounts for their unborn children. They were capitalising on Fawcett Comics' lapsed trademark of the character name. Creativity can come from anywhere! even from being incredibly litigious. Be sure to check out next month's episode where we talk about the history of that time I got a paper cut reading Spider-Man and I now own 65% of Marvel. The character Captain Marvel was created for Marvel Super Heroes issue 12 and was called Mar-Vell. That's Mar-Vell. He was a member of an alien race called the Kree, which first appeared in the Fantastic Four. Mar-Vell had travelled to Earth to retrieve one of their weapons called Centuries. Carl Danvers was created in 1968 by writer Roy Thomas and artist Gene Colan, and first appeared in issue 13 as an Air Force officer and the head of security at the NASA base that Marvell infiltrated as a scientist. Marvell assumes the identity of Dr. Walter Lawson after Lawson is lasered to death by another Kree soldier because Marvel Comics think identity theft is a cheat to make a character relatable. Carol Danvers faced challenges from an early age, Even though she was a bright and brilliant young woman, her misogynist father refused to pay for her college tuition, and paid for her brothers instead. 
But Carol is the kind of person who, when she's told she can't do something, reacts by saying, screw you, watch me, and then proves them wrong. So Carol, who had always dreamed of flying, joins the Air Force. Colonel Danvers is stubborn and strong. She's something to prove and is incredibly aware that there are a lot of people attempting to hold her back. She becomes a recurring character when Captain Marvel gets his own book, although this doesn't stop the writers feeling the need to remind the reader that she's a woman with an important job every single issue. Carol has an interesting relationship with Marvel. She is fascinated by him in costume, and they have some romantic moments, but she inherently distrusts Dr. Lawson. In issue 18 of Captain Marvel, Carol is kidnapped by Marvel's Cree nemesis, Yon Rog, who has discovered the hidden Psych Magnetron, which is essentially a wishing machine. Although assumedly works more than three times. Following a fight between the two, the machine explodes, and in that moment, Carol wishes she had the power to save herself and her friend, Captain Marvel. And you know how the saying goes be careful what you wish for. No sparks! Carol, please tell me there's a non-terrifying reason why your place is a tip and all of your old costumes are on the sidewalk with a sign saying, free examples of internalised misogyny. I'm doing that Jan Marie thing? Do you mean Marie Kondo? Sure, yeah. The entire Carol Corps talking about it. So I got inspired. And you've read the book? I got the gist of it. Blah, blah, spark joy, blah, blah, fold things vertically, blah, blah, burn all of your books. I don't think that last one- Here, give me a hand sorting through all my old powers. I need to decide what to keep. Yes, you've got more powers than the number of comics that have been made. I hear that's a lot. Does my seventh sense spark joy? It is a precognitive danger sense. But has it ever actually kept you out of danger? Mostly it gives me headaches. And you know you react strongly when danger is coming. Good point. Thank you, Seventh Sense, for helping me through my first fights as Ms. Marvel. I wouldn't be here without you. Did it work as GPS too? Oh, what's in this box? Don't open that! Those are my binary powers! You keep cosmic awareness, energy manipulation and absorption, and the connection to a wormhole in a box in your apartment? Do you know how much storage lockers cost? That's not a good excuse. Considering there's enough solar energy in here to eviscerate Manhattan, they're just not sparking joy anymore. It couldn't hurt to declutter, lose the cosmic connection and the glowy skin, but keep some of those energy blasts. And the molecular manipulation to transform into my costume? Yes. That is a lifesaver. I know I've always been super strong, fast and durable, but I do like the boost the binary powers gave me. Then only let some of it go. You don't have to get rid of everything. Just scale it back. Precisely. After all, we both know what sparks joy for you more than anything. Punching stuff. In 1977, Marvel began publishing a comic with Carol as the lead, titled Ms. Marvel. Carol has quit her job after she was blamed for being unable to protect the base from all the space villains. She had written a tell-all book on NASA, and so starts the series being hired to be the editor of Woman Magazine, published by Spider-Man regular Jonah Too Many Jays Jameson. Just as every hero needs a villain, so feminist Carol needed a misogynist foil, and Jonah more than delivers on that front. Unbeknownst to Carol, 
Her mother was Cree, and so the psych magnetron explosion has kick-started her latent Cree superpowers, including flight, super strength, and her seventh sense. However, she's in conflict. Carol doesn't know that she's Ms. Marvel, and vice versa. It's a journey for both parts of her to understand and meet, and for her to realise her power and identity, a theme that's common throughout Carol's history. Ms. Marvel is written very intentionally as a feminist book, from the choice of Ms. over Miss, down to her fights with Jonah over the content of the magazine and for a decent salary. But as we know, not even a superhero is strong enough to close the wage gap. Ms. Marvel was initially written by Jerry Conway, who worked closely with his wife Carla to develop the character. Carla is even credited for her contribution in the first issue, which is a pretty rare occurrence. Conway only wrote the first three issues before handing the book over to Chris Claremont. Under Claremont, Carol is further developed into a more rounded character, certainly the most accurate reflection of a real woman that superhero comics had seen thus far. She was strong, capable and courageous, but she was also allowed to be kind, intelligent and funny. It's in these comics where Carol first forms her long-running antagonistic relationship with shape-shifting mutant terrorist Mystique. In 1979, Carol joined the Avengers from issue 183 until issue 200. Where she was put through the ringer! There were a couple of standard superhero escapades, and then her boyfriend was murdered by Mystique. But for issue 200, David Michelin and some other men decided that the Avengers should have a landmark story. And that is how we got the Marcus storyline, or as writer Carole Strickland named it, The Rape of Ms. Marvel, in her essay in comics journalism magazine LOC issue 1. This is not an exaggerated essay headline, so we completely understand if any listener wants to check out now or skip ahead and rejoin us when we're done. We have a timestamp in the episode description for when we're finished talking about this. Carl discovers she is pregnant, with no recollection of how or who the so-called father is, gets the full term in three days, and gives birth with no pain or actual participation. Her teammates react in the way that you would want your trusted friends to, by cooing and offering congratulations and then berating you when you refuse to acknowledge the baby as your son. The baby grows at a rapid pace and is revealed to be Marcus, son of time-traveller Immortus, who, himself a product of his father's brainwashing and rape of a human woman, becomes lonely and decides, like father, like son, and kidnaps Carol Danvers since her combination Cree-human DNA makes her strong enough to be his mate. He attempts to woo her with songs and nice dresses, and when a few days of that fails, shockingly, he gets some help from his father's manipulation machines so that he can rape Ms. Marvel without feeling all icky about it. Nothing like some brainwashing to wipe your conscience clean. Chris Claremont called the story callous, cruel and unfeeling, and as soon as he got the chance, he gave Carol back her power and voice. He wrote Carol's return from Limbo in Avengers Annual Number 10 and had her confront the Avengers with the obvious fact that Marcus had lied when he said their relationship was mutual. He outright admitted to brainwashing her, and still Earth's mightiest heroes had happily sent her off with him to his dimension, alone. However, before getting the chance to confront her old friends, Carol is promptly ambushed by Mystique. Mystique's stepdaughter Rogue is a mutant with the ability to absorb the memories, life force, and powers of another person. This is usually temporary, but Rogue holds on to Carol long enough to put her in a coma, and as a result, permanently retains Carol's powers and memories. Carol is rescued by Spider-Woman, Jessica Drew, and this marks the start of their long friendship. Professor Charles Xavier does what he's best at and finds a mentally injured person to fix and convinces them to help him achieve his vision. Even though she no longer has any powers, Carol joins the X-Men on some missions as her pilot, 
and grant some access to some key government intelligence. Government? Intelligence? Talk about an oxymoron. Nailed it! Excellent joke, dear. They eventually find their way to space, where Carol and the X-Men are captured by the Brood. Okay, new aliens this time. The Brood want to take over the universe by laying eggs inside living creatures and turning them into more Brood. Chris Claremont watched Alien and had a deadline. The Brood experiment on Carol and unlock the full potential of her altered genetics. She's able to tap into a white hole and gains a slew of new powers. Fancy. A new red and white outfit. Fancy. And her head is on fire? Candles are fancy, so a candle head is the most fancy. This is where she takes the name Binary. After a brief sojourn in space, she returns home to find that not only has Marvel died, but an Avenger, Monica Rambeau, is calling herself Captain Marvel. And on top of that, Professor Xavier has invited Rogue, the woman who put Carl in a coma, to come and stay in his mansion, because when you can read everyone's thoughts, notions like tact take a back seat. Carol is rightly fed up with the jerks on Earth who keep messing her around, and so she goes into space to spend time with Cyclops' space pirate dad. Boy, when I have a bad day, all I do is sit in a bath, eating ice cream and creating my enemies in The Sims so I can torture and kill them. Yes, Carol is the dramatic one. She eventually uses up her powers and loses her connection to the white hole by sucking up unstable material from inside the sun, and yet doesn't receive daily thanks from sundial makers. Carol is hesitant to instantly rejoin the world of superheroics, so she takes the next logical career step for an ex-fighter pilot head of NASA security editor of a magazine and writes a successful sci-fi novel. Logical. All whilst consulting for StarCore, which isn't a musical genre, but I'd totally be into it if it was real. It's actually United Nations Space Lab which monitors potential alien threats. Listeners of Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men will be pleased but not surprised to hear that StarCore was headed by Super Doctor Astronaut Peter Corbeau, a longtime ally of the X-Men. A huge emergency causes the Avengers to put a call out to all Reserve and X-Members and Carol responds, wearing an old Ms. Marvel costume. She rejoins the Avengers and takes the name Warbird, because she realises that, just like gender, she's not a binary. Carol had never effectively dealt with her previous trauma though, and now everything catches up with her and she turns to alcohol as a coping mechanism, which leads to a lot of mess and an Avengers court-martial. After recovering, she rejoins the Avengers, and remains a part of the team until it disbands. When they reunite, because they always reunite, she isn't invited back. Reality-altering mutant, Scarlet Witch, creates a reality where mutants become the ruling class of humanity. Here, Carol is Captain Marvel, one of the world's most powerful and admired heroes. Which makes Carol question why she isn't this in her reality. Carol Danvers is one of the world's most capable, most powerful heroes. Why isn't she a more prominent part of the Marvel Universe? Brian Reed's run on Ms. Marvel starting in 2006 is about Carol's attempts to be the best of the best. Carol is often supported by her pals Jessica Drew, Jessica Jones, and Wonder Man Simon Williams. Hey Marvel, great idea, just thought of it. Reboot Wonder Man as Jessica Williams and have her played by Jessica Williams. You can have that one for free. And Carol ends up with a sense of becoming the best version of herself. Something achievable. Over 50 issues, she battles classic villains like The Brood and Mystique, some awful male-gazy art and pin-up covers, as well as navigating numerous event tie-ins. During Civil War, she is firmly on the side of superhero registration, 
and spends her time hunting down villains. During Secret Invasion, she's believed by S.H.I.E.L.D. to be a shape-shifting alien. And then during Dark Reign, her body is split apart into energy, but she is put back together by the embryonic versions of a mental organism designed only for conquest. I don't even understand that bit. Okay, you lucky singletons have a few minutes to get to know one another, and then I'm gonna ring a bell, and that's your cue to rotate. Have fun! Michael Rossi, it's nice to meet you. Carol Danvers, I am meeting you. What do you do? I work for the CIA. Oh my god, me too. That's so weird. It is a little convenient. I have an idea, just off the top of my head. Let's tell each other a secret, get to know one another. Like, I don't know, some Air Force secrets? One, two, three, go! Oh, Marvell, you're so dreamy. Yes, Carol, I do constantly dream of my beloved Una. Spider-Man? Wanna get into a uh, sticky situation? Next! I'm Marcus. I'm from the future, so nothing you do will ever shock me, and I have issues with my family. My dad never believed in me. My father is a time traveller, a distant relative of Sue and Reed Richards, was in the Young Avengers and eventually turns into one of the Avengers' biggest enemies. That's basically the same? We have so much in common. Do you maybe want to come to Limbo and give birth to me? You look just like the last guy. I'm a different guy. It's so uncanny. What's your name? Marcus. That was his name. That's weird. That guy's probably not as unlucky as me, though. My dad is a time-travelling dictator called Kang. That is the same dad! My name is Michael Barnett. I'm a psychologist who doesn't find it unethical to date his patients, and looking at you now, I do not think I could tell the difference between you and a shape-shifting person pretending to be you, which might be the death of me. Why do all of your names begin with M? Mine doesn't! Shut up, Pete! Don't get me wrong, Vision, you seem nice, but aren't you a robot man? A synthesoid. I just don't know if we want the same human things, though. Have the same... needs? You need not worry, Carol. I am mostly attempting to make my ex jealous. That's relatable, at least. Scarlet Witch is a crazy woman. I'm actually glad to be away from her. Well, that's a red light. Oh, that just means my battery is low. Brody? Carol? Is it smart to date co-Avengers? All I know is we know each other, we like each other, and life is weird and short. And you don't want to do anything weird to me? No. I mean, unless you want me to. That sounds fun. Unless I get killed and that motivates you to become a super fascist. Sure, but like that'll ever happen. In 2012, Carol gets her own comic book title again, but this time takes on a new superhero mantle, Captain Marvel, having previously refused it in deference to her old friend Marvel and Monica Rambeau. And so this new phase of Carol's story, written by Kelly Sue DeConnick, with art by Dexter Soy and a snazzy new costume designed by Jamie McKelvey, is defined by Carol's search to find her place in the world. Again. The effect that Kelly Sue DeConnick had on Carol Danvers' standing at Marvel cannot be overstated. Kelly Sue DeConnick is a recovering alcoholic who grew up on Air Force bases, and she runs a motivational text group called Bitches Get Shit Done. She has the attitude, experience, and bravery to match Carol, which she used to reinvigorate the character. 
Kelly Sue DeConnick is a woman who put up her own money to ensure Jamie McKelvey designed the new, now iconic, flight suit. She mobilised fans using various forms of social media, cultivating a brand for the group. Hashtag Carolcore. The ordering system for comic books is wild, and mostly not understood by the people reading the books. Because they shouldn't have to. Because they shouldn't have to. And so, Kelly Sue DeConnick took the time to make this simpler for new fans by explaining the process and creating custom forms people could print out and take to their local stores to ensure that the book was a success. For now, we'll ignore that things like this should probably be performed by publishers. In the first Captain Marvel arc, Carol time travels back to the moment she gained her superpowers, and so was given the choice to stop her super story before it began. But in choosing to let history play itself out, as before, she gains clarity in herself. She chooses to be Captain Marvel. No sooner has she done this than a brain lesion is discovered, which leaves her grounded, at risk of losing her memories. Carol and her best bud Jessica Drew discover her old Cree nemesis, Yon Rog, is behind a plot to create a Cree city above New York using Carol's brain as a power source. Carol flies into space to prevent this, and in doing so, sacrifices huge portions of her memory to save the city. After this traumatic event, she decides to leave Earth behind once again in an attempt to rediscover who she is. So, of course, she joined up with those sensible space buds, the Guardians of the Galaxy. That's what you need when you have amnesia. A talking raccoon, a narcissist, and a Groot. It was around this time where the Marvel Universe and almost everyone in it was destroyed permanently forever by other dimensional beings, leaving only a new world where some wars will happen in secret. Except that they weren't a secret, because they interrupted a lot of ongoing stories in the comics, including Captain Marvel, for eight months. Alternate universe versions of Carol and the characters from Captain Marvel exist as fighter pilots in the all-female Banshee Squadron, and they begin to distrust and aim to take down God Emperor Doom. We will tell you more about it one day. You have to stop saying we're going to do that. I'm sorry, am I heading into some sort of zone of danger? If only we had a readily available appropriate music cue for something like that. <sighs> the core Marvel Comics universe is brought back into being, and Carol is recruited to head up the Alpha Flight Low Orbit Space Station, Earth's first line of defence against extraterrestrial violence. Super Doctor Astronaut Peter Corbeau would be so proud. We're then on to another Marvel Comics event, where Carol gets the short shrift. In Civil War 2, colon, we're not so civil anymore, a superpowered teenager discovers that he has the ability to witness disasters in the future. Spurred by the death of her partner James Rhodes, War Machine, and her friend She-Hulk being put into a coma, Carol is driven to use the teenager's powers to warn of all crimes in the future. Like Minority Report, but with Marvel's most popular female character who has a movie in production as a bad guy with fascist goals. Yes, this was a smart plan, Marvel. It was a huge misstep for a beloved character, as Carol hunted down more heroes and was painted as a villain in numerous Marvel comics, and was eventually proven to be wrong, but only after she'd punched Iron Man so hard he goes into a coma. We can only imagine that Carol's previous experience with and tremendous faith in her own seventh sense made her more susceptible to believing in the legitimacy of these precognitive warnings. Though this was never really stated. This leaves Marvel in a place of trying to rehabilitate the character in the eyes of not only the characters in the Marvel Universe, but a lot of readers. And this is made more difficult by keeping Carol up in space, away from most of the goings-on of the Marvel Universe. It's at this point Carol finally learns about her mother being Kree, 
and gains a greater understanding of her history. But launching at the very start of 2019 is a new Captain Marvel series by Kelly Thompson, Carmen Carnero, Tamara Bonvillain and Clayton Coles. Carol is back doing the superheroics on Earth, punching monsters and wooing a now less dead James Rhodes. Do you mean woohooing James Rhodes? You've been playing too much Sims. She looks primed to be a revolutionary lead of female superheroes in an apocalyptic wasteland in an alternate reality or possible future. And hopefully a revolutionary lead of female superhero movies. This episode of Comic Book Classroom was written by Amy Garvey and Michael Eckett and is produced by Robin Harmon. Music is written and performed by The Sheridans. Our logo was created by Blair Ingalls. New episodes come out monthly and you can subscribe to them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your podcast supplier of choice. For more information and to see what we're up to, you can find us on Twitter as at Comic Book Class, on Instagram as Comic Book underscore Classroom and you can email us at classroomcomicbook at gmail.com. Join us next time on Comic Book Classroom as we say our magic words about Shazam. Captain Marvel? Um, yeah. Sorry to bother you. I'm calling from Comic Book Classroom. Your publicist, Miss Day, said you were expecting my call? You're the ones wanting information for your podcasts, right? I have an alien cat, too. But mine's a flurkin. Podcast, actually. We summarize comics with songs and jokes. You write jokes? We'll write one eventually. You know, I'm only doing this publicity stuff to revitalize my image. People seem obsessed with how likable I am. Can't think why. You got your powers in a cave, right? That's right. From a wizard, just before he died? Is this one of your funny jokes? I never said they were funny. I got them from an alien right before he died. Although the machine did grant wishes. Hmm, must be a reboot. Do you find the constant references to being a boy annoying? It is incredibly frustrating when people see short hair and say boy. But honestly, it's a huge step up from the things I was called when I sported the thigh-high boots and the cut-out swimsuits. Hmm, I must have missed that period. You do fight alien insects, though, right? You got that bit right. Great. Does fight tiny worm with mind control powers? No. I fight vicious brood with giant teeth and stingers. Wit. Are you not Billy Batson? No! Carol Danvers. That's not even one of the Captain Marvels I know. I knew this was a horrible idea. Uh, I'm sorry for wasting your time. We at Comic Book Schoolyard apologize. Oh, that was embarrassing. I'll never make that mistake again.